and welcome to the Black Row podcast. I'm Carol Mitchell. I am excited about this very special podcast this evening. We have two incredibly special guests that are going to be with us and two very special young adult leaders who are going to be their official interviewers tonight. This podcast is the first in a series of podcasts that we'll be doing where the topic is the May 11th, 1969 Mother's Day uprising and the political climate surrounding that uprising in our own city of Tacoma. And so we're gonna start the conversation out tonight talking with Senator Rosa Franklin and former mayor, Dr. Bill Barzma. We want them to answer the questions of what was that political climate like? What, what were people thinking before, during, and after that uprising took place? And what sort of wisdom do they have to offer to young adults like Keisha Ray Cooper and Andre Jimenez, who are the next and the present generation of social justice activists? I'm Carol Mitchell. Enjoy the show. Hello, Senator Franklin and Dr. Barzma. It's so great to have you on the show with us tonight. Um, just as kind of um, a starter, can you tell us um, some of your early history and how you came to be in Tacoma during the spring of 1969? Should I go first? I can. Okay, it turns out that I had just returned from graduate study at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. That was there from 64 to 68. Uh, I was hired on at the University of Puget Sound in the School of Business and Economics. I started my career there uh, in, September, in September of 1968. The director of the School of Business and Economics, by the way, was one Booth Gardner, who later became governor of the state. And he and I uh, had a kind of a political association, which started back then. In 1969, I uh, served during this particular period. I took on the responsibility as the acting coordinator of the Black Studies Program at the University of Puget Sound. I served in that capacity through the second semester at UPS. Also was kind of an unofficial advisor of the Black Students Union. Interestingly enough, the BSU uh, at UPS was the first in the state of Washington. And I got to know the officers, um, the president, uh, Lou Smith and I became friends during that period. I was also actively engaged in an array of campaigns, very deeply involved. I was managing uh, the campaign, Dennis Flanagan's campaign for city council. Unsuccessful, but uh, he had just returned from his work in Mississippi on uh, Freedom Summer. He was uh, active with the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. It was his first run for office. And that was quite a ride. Uh, and uh, when we get into a discussion of what the political climate was in Tacoma, it was quite unusual. And, and there were certain events which led to dramatic cha a dramatic change in Tacoma politics. Uh, the polarization in Tacoma was intense uh, in 1969, uh, in, in many ways very similar to what we've seen nationally uh, currently. But we'll get into that discussion as we as we move through the evening. I'd be happy to talk about uh, what was going on, the conservative populists and that were, that were seeking control of the government, finally successfully uh, the role of Slim Rasmussen, who Senator uh, Franklin knows well. We'll talk about that as we get into it. But that's where I was, uh, and that's my background. Um, yes, and Senator Franklin, um, 
Uh, tell us about your early history and what you drew you to Tacoma in 1969. Well, prior to the 60s, I actually came to Tacoma as a military wife, we were a military family. We came in mid fifties, 1954, and stayed until 1959. Uh, my husband then was recalled, not recalled, but was um, reassigned to Germany. So we went back to Germany in 1959, and then returned by the way of Colorado to Tacoma in 19, uh, time goes so fast. <laughs> it was in 1966, by the way, of Colorado, because he had been stationed in, uh, and I lived in, and worked in Colorado. Uh, I uh, was a nursing. And when we came back, of course, to Tacoma, uh, I resumed my job as working um, on the staff at Madigan General Hospital at Madigan Medical uh, Hospital, which is Medical Army Hospital. We had our young family. Now, in regards to my return, Tacoma, in my estimation, had changed dramatically because when we left in the 50s, it was like a whole different place. And during the time that we were gone, and overseas, there was a struggle at home for social justice and against uh, segregation. And of course, we read about it. And here being in Europe, I had to defend what was happening in my country. And so back home here, then when that took place, I actually was not involved with that particular scene because I was busy working and I heard about it. I live in South Tacoma and I heard of what had happened on Mother's Day. Um, I had been, of course, very much uh, active and engaged in working and getting for social justice for South quite uh, some time because I grew up actually in the segregated South. So I know what segregation and all of that was about. So back now in Tacoma and what was happening at that particular time, and as Dr. Bosman had said, that there was a lot of, uh, there was a, a lot, lot had been going on with, with uh, Martin Luther King and what was happening in the South and um, sitting down. And we, we were just amazed at what was really going on at home. So, in the 60s, when that took place here in Tacoma, I think a lot of people really woke up and became, began to become very active. Thank you both for sharing. Um, just one more quick personal question and then we will get um, right into the uprising from there. Um, what drew you into politics and specifically into your run for, uh, Dr. Barsnell, we can start with you for your run for mayor. Well, uh, thank you. By the way, I was born and raised in Tacoma. I didn't mention that. Uh, product of the Tacoma school system. Graduated from Stadium High School, class of 60, go Tigers. Went on to the University of Puget Sound, logger up, uh, 1964. Uh, uh, majored in political science, and then I got a scholarship to go to George Washington University from 64 to 68. 
Uh, actually, I, I ran for city council initially successfully, uh, but even prior to that, um, I was active in Democratic Party politics. And as a matter of fact, uh, I met Rosa Franklin for the first time in 1976 when I was running for chair of the Democratic Party, Pierce County Democrats, successfully and served in that capacity until 1980, and then also was actively involved in Democratic Party politics. Uh, I mentioned early on that that I worked with uh, Booth Gardner's campaign when he ran for the state Senate, when he ran for the Pierce County um, executive, and then later for governor. Uh, I got into the mix in 1991. I ran for city council successfully and ran uh, was reelected uh, successfully. We have term limits, and so uh, I served my two terms. Went back, I was, did this on a part-time basis, still with the University of Puget Sound, and, uh, and then decided to, to take a leap of faith and uh, ran for mayor uh, in 2001 successfully and served two, uh, two terms in that capacity. So early on, I was involved in partisan politics. Uh, prior to that, um, was involved in, in local, local politics. We'll talk about what was happening in 69. That was really big. Uh, in Tacoma, very unusual. We can talk about that later. But uh, that was my involvement in, in politics. And uh, I was pleased uh, to support Rosa when she first uh, ran for the state legislature, um, both at first as a House member and then su successfully um, uh, for Senate, where she, where she took uh, Slim Rasmussen's seat after he passed. Really a transformative change in politics. That, that in itself uh, was, was pretty pretty important in terms of what was going on in Tacoma. So a lot to be said, that's kind of where I'm, I'm coming. I could talk a lot about uh, my political um, activities back in the day, but uh, I have a, as, as a former college professor, I, you know, I have a tendency to digress. So I'll stop with, I'll stop here. Thank you, and Senator Franklin. Well, for me, actually becoming involved in politics, really started at a very early age. And it was not politics as such, it was community services, uh, working and oh, because as I said, I grew up in the South and working on uh, what we may say now as social justice, growing up in a family, saying that everyone should be treated fairly regardless of what's the color of your skin, of course, the time the NAACP was very active, the Black press was very active. And from an early childhood, I was taught that you are to be very involved in your community and wherever you go, you then become involved. So when I, of course, came to call in the 50s, I became involved, but very, very little because we had young children. And when I came back in the 60s, now I'm leading into politics. I became quote, what you may call one of those stamp lickers, if you will, helping in campaigns with candidates, becoming a part of the party of my choice, which was the Democratic Party, which I saw was more toward what I believed in than the other party. And so I worked really in the background, also became um, a precinct officer. I went everywhere and wherever I went, of course, there was nobody a lot of times that looked like me. And I said, there is something actually wrong here. 
we have to work to make a change. But for me, it was one of really working to bring people together to be able to solve problems. So we said, you have to have a seat at the table. You have to become involved. You have to get out and vote. And so that is what I did. And from that, and of course, with the Dr. Bosma was very much involved. And of course, there were this whole division of the North End and the South End and who was there and who was representing who and I was not there. And so I learned and I listened and I said, things will have to change. And so I worked on that. I became involved. I stayed involved from very early beginning. And from that, that led to my then eventually um, running for office, which I really didn't want to do because I was very much involved with I love city government and I wanted to run for local government, which I did. I ran and I lost and I ran for something else and I lost. And I said, well, I'm going to keep running and I'm going to keep working. And so eventually then I, read, I ran for the um, House of Representatives and I won that and then eventually went on to the Senate. Thank you, Senator Franklin. And um, if I can direct another question to you, can you really describe, you talked about your work in both political campaigns and in office, but really paint a picture for our viewers on what do you remember about the political climate in the spring of 1969 leading up to the Mother's Day uprising? Is, is this direct to me or Dr. Bosma? To you, Senator Franklin. To me, actually, honestly speaking, what led up to what took place in 1969, as I said, I was not really, because I, as I said, I lived in the South End. I was busy raising my family. Uh, my husband was in the military and uh, had just was, was going to retire. So actually, I did not really have that much uh, involved with the climate because we were, you must understand the military families are very, very close and they were very, very connected. So when I came back the second time, uh, for the second time, the climate, as I said, um, I could not really, I know there was the division was across the country. It was not just within Tacoma itself, but that climate of saying, this cannot happen, continue to happen. We must then indeed have social justice. And from that, I think it led on into what finally became that uh, Mother's Day event that took place. I think Dr. Bosma has more of a handle on that than I as a young mother, if you will. And um, so he can tell you more on that. I guess I'm up. Uh, just to give you a sense, I want to give you a sense here just for a moment of uh, some, some numbers that I think uh, illustrate the intense high stakes polarization that was in Tacoma in 1969. Uh, it's almost kind of breathtaking uh, when you think about it. In this last, just give you an example, in the last mayoral election, 
uh, pitting uh, our incumbent Victoria against her opponent. The city of, Apop the city of Tacoma has a population now of 211,000 plus people. And in that race um, uh, in which everybody gets a ballot, you know, the 18 year olds have a right to vote. Everyone gets a ballot. Uh, it's very easy to register to vote. You don't have to go to the polling place. You can register right up to election day. Um, that's the situation today. 42,000 people voted in that, in that election. In 1969, in November, this was the period of that, uh, you know, in the, in the Mother's Day riot was in May. Pitting uh, A.L. Slim Rasmussen, I would call, a, um, you know, kind of a, 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 a poor man's version of Donald Trump in terms of his ideology uh, versus Gordon Johnston, who was a progressive. In that election, with a city of, of 155,000 approximately, where it was difficult to vote, you had to go to the polling place. If you hadn't registered weeks prior to the election, you couldn't vote. Getting an absentee ballot was difficult. You had to, you had to show that you're un, uh, unable to get to the polls for a variety of reasons. And that in that year, with 154,000 people in Tacoma, 44,000 plus people voted. Now just think about that it was the highest number, it was the highest turnout in the history of the city of Tacoma was in that election of 1969. And why was that? Because there was this intense polarization in the community, very much like it is nationally where on one hand you had the conservative populace led by Slim and his cohorts and supporters. Um, people now that would be characterized as Reagan Democrats and right-wing Republicans in that camp. And then in the other camp was um, a coalition of moderate uh, Republicans. They're called Dan Evans Republicans after the governor at the time who was a moderate to progressive Republican as well as um, more progressive Democrats, those two coalitions were vying for power uh, as to who would control the city council. So you had that, that turnout and uh, the, the um, Slim Rasmussen, or Gordon Johnston won that election with 50.4% of the vote to Slim Rasmussen's 49.6%, which was one of the closest elections in recorded history. And what followed was incredible chaos uh, in Tacoma culminating eventually on September 15th, 1970, in a recall election. Rasmussen had lost his re-election, re but his supporters gained control on the city council at the time. They forced out the city manager uh, and uh, tried to, and, and, and took funds away from the Human Relations Commission, not the Human Rights Commission. And that all culminated in a recall election on September 15th, 1970, where the five conservative populists to get this were removed by a two to one margin. They, uh, the court had deemed that they had committed acts of malfeasance, misfeasance, they violated their oath of office based on the facts presented. Uh, the petitions were circulated, uh, 13,000 signatures were fixed to the five recall petitions and that election was held and Tacoma politics has changed dramatically in 1973. The citizens um, decided to change the charter to allow for council members five to be elected by district. They extended the term of the mayor from two to four years and politics has been quite calm ever since, but that particular year uh, was historic in terms of the division, the intensity and the polarization. I might add, we had our version of Fox News at that time, uh, KEYE, which was a radio um, station out of Puyallup, um, was broadcasting in support of 
of the agenda of the uh, these conservative populists. I might note it was the last KEYE was the last station that's where its license was revoked because it violated the, the fairness doctrine at that time. Fairness doctrine no longer is in effect. So it was quite a quite a ride uh, to be involved. Uh, I was actively involved. I was sued for a million dollars along with some other people. It was it was it was a wild time, but everything was pretty much settled on September fifteenth, nineteen seventy, when uh, the citizens had had enough of what was going on on the city council and removed uh, those five council members by a two to one margin. I, that's a majority, by the way, of the legislative body. If you can think about it. The majority of the legislative body was removed by by a vote. So, um, I've written about that a bit, but it was uh, it was really an incredible an incredible period. And Tacoma politics has been for the better as a result of what happened in September of 1970. I might note also um, uh, Harold G. Moss was appointed uh, to the city council. He's the first person of color to be to serve on the city council. He was elected in his own right shortly thereafter. Um, and, um, and the rest is history. I could go on and on, but I'll. Thinking about um, the political climate during spring of 1969 um, and thinking about those who were in power at that time, let us uh, discuss a little bit about how receptive um, were those in power to the demands of the black community at that time. And Senator Franklin, do you want to kick us off? How effective were the changes that had taken place? I think the fight continued because if you do not have the representation and you do not have one to really speak up, one one person you you have someone to represent, but one person alone, and you have to have others to work or bring others along with you in order to make the changes. As the, uh, Dr. Bosman said, changes were beginning to happen. However, it didn't happen fast enough because for me, I was more or less looking at the social justice and, and the way in order to get there is you have to be in the room and your voices have to be heard. But everything is political. As a friend of mine said, why do you get in politics? It's because from the day you are born until the day you die, you're in politics. <laughs> so therefore, with those, first of all, you had to change the representation on the council. And as he said, uh, Harold Moss, who's now deceased, who was the first who was appointed, I don't remember that very well. But the division that took place and with the change of the council, then we began to see some change. But as I continued to work and to work within, because I had no position, all of my work was always volunteered. And so working with those who were really quote connected, who were in the room, forming a lot and Dr. Bosman was one of those leaders. He was the chair of the party. He was the chair of the progressives. And there were progressives like in the South End, but most of the progressives were in the North End. And so when they would see me, it's, oh, there she is. How are things over in the South End? 
And so therefore, with that change, and as he, uh, as he mentioned, as I am working as a mother, as one who is at school with her kids, who is, well, because uh, in my nursing profession, and then volunteering and sleeping about two or three hours a day and keeping up and saying things are not right within our society. Things have to change. Who's going to change it? So it began, as you said, with our city council. And so now with those changes, things were beginning to kind of fall in line. And then following that, I ran for city council on a health platform because I figured, well, if everyone is healthy and you have a healthy community, you will have a very productive society. Well, our mayor at the time told me, talk about something else. You cannot just talk about health. And I said, if you don't have healthy people, you're not going to have a healthy economy. And so through all of this process, through the city council, through people like Dr. Bob and others, when I, of course, and he supported me and other who were progressive supported me and when I ran, but I lost. However, then with those changes beginning to take place within Tacoma, it was a start, but there were still people not, you would walk into the banks, you would walk into business and you wouldn't see anybody that looked like you or maybe one or two. So changes had to continue to take place. And that's where I came in. And I knew I could not do it. One person can, you have to form these relationships and those at the top, it has to work down. And so that's how I really became involved and stayed involved. And thanks to Dr. Bama, Dr. Bosma and others who were there forming those relationships to get where I really yeah, and Dr. Barsman, I have a question for you. Um, we, we've talked about a couple of the issues that were facing the Black community, but specifically, what did the Hilltop community want from City Hall? What was the core issues that they were fighting for and against with City Hall? Well, I think, you know, um, the, the broader issues of, of unemployment, educational opportunities, and discrimination, and uh, Dealing with the police at that time; those were all issues. By the way, they're still they're still out there. They haven't changed. I might note a couple of things were happening here in Tacoma that were, I think, important. In October of 1967, the City Council established what was then called the Human Relations Commission, uh, was chaired by E. S. Brazil, uh, River Brazil of Shiloh Shiloh Church. Lynn Hodges was the director, and they're trying to establish themselves in 1967. But um, Slim Rasmussen was elected mayor at that time, and many of his cohorts were also on the council. They began to attack the Human Relations Commission uh, at that time. I think certainly people in the community, uh, Hilltop community, could see what was going on uh, on, the, on the attack of the Human, Human Relations Commission and what they were trying to accomplish. I think that, was, that just exacerbated the problem, certainly in the, in the minds of, of, of folk that were in the, living in the Hilltop. I might note the city uh, prior to it's really interesting because prior to the election of Rasmussen, uh, the city was really uh, 
quite influential. The city manager was the president of the International City Management Association. The mayor, Harold Tolleson, was the president of the National League of Cities. Pretty remarkable. They were, I was back in D.C. at the time, and the city of Tacoma was in the forefront uh, of receiving federal assistance, an array of federal assistance. So thing was, things were moving in the right direction. And then things changed with the conservative populists gaining control of the city council. So uh, the tension was building. The attacks on the Human Relations Commission, the relationship with the police, what was going on in terms of unemployment, the fact that many of these programs and promises had been, had been uh, essentially attacked by th those in, in power, and, and, and the tensions continue to build to the point of what we saw on uh, May 11th. So uh, Tacoma was really on the verge of, of exploding. And I give great credit to people that, like Jim Walton and Thomas Dixon uh, and Reverend Brazil and Reverend Bowles. What out on the streets, by the way, after that, uh, that incident, were there all night calming what was going on in what could have been a, a real um, disaster in the city. I give great credit. They were heroes. Uh, they risked their own lives because people are out there. You know, a cop had been shot uh, and uh, things were really tense uh, at a boiling point. And they were out on the streets uh, doing what they could and very successfully. Um, calming the water, so to speak, and getting people to get off the streets and, and, and go back. So things were just incredibly uh, tense during that period. And things were going on in the city government that just exacerbated uh, those problems, those, those concerns, those justifiable concerns. And as I say, history is repeating itself in a lot of respects, because we see that right now. Back, the, the attack on the candidate, uh, that wonderful, superbly, qualified African-American woman who will sit on the Supreme Court, the attack directed toward her. We saw that kind of thing happening in Tacoma in 1969. Thank you, Dr. Thank you, Dr. Barzma. Senator Franklin, from your perspective, what were really some of the core issues that the Hilltop community and the Black community were fighting for at that time? Well, let me go back a little, I think, to the mid fifties, when we first came to Tacoma, when we first, when we came to Tacoma in 1954, we came directly from Europe. We came directly from Germany. Um, and while we were on, because we came by ship, when we came, I think the, uh, the decision against the vote versus uh, the, the desegregation in school, that with, with, with um, uh, Marshall taking the court, the case to court, and winning the Supreme Court on the school of desegregation was that that in 1954 when we first came. And so when we came uh, then in Tacoma, again, it was one in which it was no hilltop. I did not know anything about a name of Hilltop. And then when we came back the second time, there was a Hilltop. And I said, what in the world is going on here? The name changing, and it was changing right under the eyes of government. And so that division that took place also with during that period of time with the civil rights movement going on, and other things, everything just came to a, to a head. That is what took place. Because the whole issue over the years has been social justice, 
how you really treat people and everyone should not be treated because of the color of their skin. So within this period of time of Chen becoming a hilltop and then you have to look back at history. We had a model cities right. and then we had things were building up in the community and then you come back and it's all torn down. And so it's like restarting all over. So what in the world is going on? So people just had enough. We had a very, each place in Tacoma had like a business district. We had out in South Tacoma where I live, there were department, there were department stores, there were business district up in Fern Hill, and then you had downtown. And so therefore with the falling apart of all of these people were just, um, I think they were, let's put it, they were fed up with it because it was happening across the country, not just in Tacoma. And so with those changes then that has taken place, this now is what, as I said, it seems as is becoming a re repeated thing. If you do not know your history, you will think that I am doing something new. It, that cannot happen anymore. Mine has been, it has not gone from generation to generation. Do you know what happened in the past? You're not doing something for the first time. We are repeating the same thing over and over again. Where I am, I'm standing on the shoulder of my ancestors. I tried to pass that on to younger people, know your history. You're not beginning something new. If you have to do the same thing over, you will never gain. It's like the author says, one step forward and two step backward. It looks now like we are going two steps backward, which should not happen. And so from today, from where you are, and it's for your generation and your hands, this has to stop. We cannot continue to do this, much as Dr. Bosma has said. Look at your Supreme Court. Look at what's happening. We had a sense of community before. What's happened to the sense of community? Yeah. Others very poorly. We had business. How much do we know about what Black businesses there were? What happened to all of our Black and Tacoma? had black business. We don't really have what we have anymore. And so your question to me is, what's happening in all of this is they're moving backwards and not moving forward. So it's in your hands and knowing your history and passing it on because if it dies, you, we will never make this. So for me then, and for you, and for your generation, it is stop it, no more. Let's bring people together at the table. And as I looked at history last, was reading a history of a former representative said, once upon a time, there were no aisles to cross. There were tables. You reach across the table and you work with each other. And so 
Dan, that means bringing people together, everyone having a voice and listening, and that is what has to happen. So that is where I'm coming from and have been, is collaboration and not judging people by the color of their skin, as Dr. Martin Luther King has said. Thank you, Senator Franklin. I think you hit that right on the head. And I just know, um, just reflecting myself, um, I'm currently pregnant with my first child and I've been thinking about all these things and you know how we do need to continue to make change and really pave the way for our next generation. And you're right, we cannot keep going backwards and uh, we really need to know our history and, and look forward and, and really make a change. So with that, um, Dr. Barzma, do you feel that things changed in the hilltop area after the Mother's Day uprising, or what was the what was the climate like in the community um, after the uprising? It's a very good point. There were several of key events which took place uh, that has, I think, led to change to the point now where, on the city council, we have five women and four people of color. I mean, how all how did that all happen? You know, how that all happen? So there are, as I say, events which have led to where we are today. First, the defeat of Slim Rasmussen on his reelection campaign by Gordon Johnston, who was a very, um, who was a progressive and, and enlightened and very astute person. There was the recall campaign that removed the five conservative populists, the right wingers that had controlled the government. That was a, a profound event. There was the appointment of Harold G. Moss to the city council, the first person of color to represent uh, um, and, and to express concerns and bring them to the table for the first time openly. There was the, uh, the change in the city charter that allowed for the uh, district representation so that the South, South Tacoma would always have a voice in the east side and the central area would always have a voice at the table at the city council. And I think that was important in terms of change. 1973, it's interesting to note that four women were running for city council uh, um, Senator Franklin was one of the four. Only one prevailed, uh, Barbara Bixell from the east side. Uh, and she served as the only woman on the city council for 10 years, if you can imagine. So it took a while uh, for, for things to change as we now see it. Uh, and then in the 19, 1980s, of course, uh, Dr. Dolores Silas was appointed and was elected in her own right, the first person, the first woman of color to serve on the city council. What a tremendous person. I had the great honor of serving with her when I was a city council member. It was fun to be with her. It was great. And then, uh, so that was important. And then, and then um, uh, Marilyn Strickland, uh, now a member of Congress, was the first uh, person, a woman of color, to be elected citywide uh, as a council member. And I served with her. And then she was elected mayor. Uh, she succeeded me as mayor. Uh, not, uh, as the first person of color to be elected, her first woman uh, of color to be elected mayor, and then of course Victoria Woodard's followed her. So there's been a there's been a period, there's been an evolution over time. Um, of course, Keith Blocker, uh, a person of color representing the Hilltop area and a voice for for, for Hilltop. So there's been quite a quite a storyline there, and as I think about it, I should I should write about it because <laughs> there was some, some important important events. That, that triggered changes that led to additional changes uh, that eventually led to where we, what we see today. Um, I mean, I'm amazed. I, I never thought in my lifetime that I would see a, a majority of uh, the city council women uh, making up a majority of the city, which I think is great, by the way. Never thought that, that would happen. And that four members of the city council were people of color. That was, that was 
extraordinary. First Cambodian American now serving on a city council. Wow, we've come a long way in terms of representation. And uh, so I, you know, um, it, it's good to see this sweep of history and this and, and how things have changed for the good. Thank you. And Senator Franklin, how do you feel the um, the community things changed in the community post the uprising? Um, I'm sorry, would you repeat that? I, you kind of blurred. Yes. How do you feel things changed um, in the hilltop area after the uprising? How things have changed in the hilltop? Well, it's gentrification now has taken place in, cool. in the central area. And I always hated that name, hilltop, <laughs> because <laughs> hilltop, because the um, the gentrification has taken place and people who have lived there for years are no longer able to live there. They are, um, and of course the, 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 the area sort of, sort of died. And um, now hopefully, well, it's bringing in transportation. It's, it's just a complete, for me, it's completely different because now when I drive in the air, I said, what is this place? It's not, it's the central area or the hilltop area. It was, MLK was K Street, as you know, from history changed to MLK. And it was one after the right that there were black businesses there they were business active businesses and now think they're trying to come back and i know we mentioned dr silas she worked very hard in order to bring business back into the community and um i drive through there and it's a whole different world now and so the community is gentrified and it's, it's it won't be the same and like everything else, everything has changed. It's a scattered. The sense of community, we have to build a sense of community again. And I know with University of Tacoma, which we fought very hard in order to have University of Tacoma in the area of where it is. And so that is expanding and moving up a bit. And so you won't have those. And so there are a lot of change. It, it, it's, it's a whole rebirth, if you will. And um, I, I just, I just don't know because just the other day I I said this is not the same. I don't want things to stay the same. I want changes, but I don't want it to go away and you take everything away. So my feeling of where it is now and what will be happening in Tacoma, it's a new generation, but it's everywhere changes are taking place and Tacoma is no exception. So um, I, I'm hopeful, though, uh, as I drive through the city of Tacoma, my city, uh, as I said, I was born a Carolinian, South Carolinian by birth, and I'm a Tacoman, a Washingtonian by choice. So <laughs> here I am and continue to, to work and, and build community. And I think we have to rebuild our community. We have to really help each other. And we have to have, I grew up in a sense of community, which has departed. And that is what's going to happen. And I think 
that the University of Washington Tacoma has a huge part to play in that. Most definitely. Yes, and kind of looking forward, um, what did the uprising teach each of you individually about leadership, but what should it teach us as the present generation about leadership? And we'll start with you, Dr. Barzma. Well, you know, some leaders did, did uh, emerge as a result of what happened on May 11th. Uh, Jim Walton became a leader. You know, he uh, was an outsider and uh, became an insider of his own choice because he figured they could work better on the inside than being on the outside and became our first uh, uh, African-American um, city manager. Um, again, during my tenure as mayor, I had a chance to work with Jim. And that's certainly important. Harold Moss, of course, uh, also uh, emerged as a, as a leader uh, from what, what happened uh, there. Uh, others, others also um, came forward to serve in that capacity. I think there was a, a realization that yes, we can in fact make a difference by being on the inside rather than being on the outside. Uh, knocking on the door, let's get on the other side of the door, you know, and, and, and be involved. Uh, Jim uh, was the uh, director, or the um, human rights director for the city, I'm brought in by the city manager. Uh, city manager, um, um, Bill Donaldson, um, reached out to the, to the community, Regina Glenn, who was a University of Puget Sound student and uh, now lives in Seattle, but for a while worked uh, close with the with the city manager, Mel Jackson, uh, was the assistant city manager, another person of color. So I think because of that, there was, a, there was an expectation that there would be changes and those expectations came uh, into being. So it's really, really uh, uh, important. I might note that um, Senator Franklin was referring to Hilltop and of course now they like to refer to people who live there, like to refer to as Upper Tacoma because there is a, a stigma that, uh, related to the use of the word Hilltop. So they now refer to it as Upper Tacoma. She also uh, mentioned gentrification and people realized, developers realized that, what's, that Upper Tacoma had spectacular views of, uh, of the Cascades and, uh, and Commencement Bay. And so you saw developers, but also I have to pay uh, homage to the Tacoma Housing Authority under the, under the leadership of Michael Mira uh, that also um, uh, built quality housing uh, for people uh, that in need, people searching for safe and decent sanitary accommodations. Uh, the Tacoma Housing Authority has played a, uh, an important role in terms of encouraging people to go back and get their, finish their education as a condition of um, support. So, you know, good things are happening uh, and, uh, uh, and a lot uh, still needs to be done. But I think your point, it was a turning point what happened on that day in May, May 11th, was a turning point in Tacoma that led to a lot of other events, political events, leading to where we are today. No question. And then Senator Franklin, same question to you. What did the uprising teach you about leadership and what should it teach us as the present and next generation of leaders? Well, what it says, enough is enough. And that is what was being said. Uh, I think what took place on Mother's Day with the uprising that enough is enough. We are not going to take it anymore, do something. And so to have to take that step in order to have something done to me is one that 
it could have been avoided. And it's all, a lot of times we don't really want to deal with the real issue of talking about how people are treated because who they are and what they look like. We have to really deal with the issue, the real cause of what causes issue problems. And so therefore, with that then, and again, with people, again, like Dr. Bosma, progressives, people who see you as you are and not because of the color of your skin. And then you have to be able to listen. You learn by listening to each other. You need to respect each other. Respect is one thing. Then you need to know your history because if you do not know your history, you will not know how to move forward or to teach others, okay? And then for you as a generation, it's in your hands now. So that means that from here on, you know your history and you know that you are standing where you are now and you are standing on somebody else's shoulder. You did not get there by yourself. A lot of people think I got here by myself. No such thing. As the millionaire says, I want all this money by life. No, you have somebody else's money. So therefore, you in turn, as for your generation, knowing your history, setting the example, telling you that education is very important and that you need to be in the room to help to make decisions. You need to vote. You can't say somebody else is going to do it. And so therefore, as you move forward and things do not come easily, you have to, and you fight for it. Every day is a fight and tell them everything is political from the day you're born to the day you die. So don't run from the truth. And to say that there are people who help you along the way and as you go, I am setting it for the next generation and we will move forward. Otherwise, if we do not do that, we will lose. Just go back when we, women were fighting for the right to vote. Women went back home and did not continue. We had to repeat here in the 20th century of the same thing. And so as we move forward, when we had elections, I said, look at your court. Your courts, look at the Supreme Court. Those things are important. We can't run away from it. And so as we move forward and justice, that everyone be treated equally, not because of the way that you love, but treat them, bring them to the table, work together as a community, build your community, give. Don't expect to receive and not give. Give, become involved. And so from this, what I'm saying, keep moving. And as I tell my kids, when you mount a climb to tell you not to look back, as you move forward, keep running. Because if you don't look back, you're gonna lose. Oh, you're gonna lose steps, so. Keep running, you will make it, set the example.
and air. Thanks for having me. I'm very passionate when it comes to social justice and health. Thank you, Senator Franklin. With everything that we've discussed this evening, um, I'm going to wrap us up with the last question. And uh, Dr. Barzma, I will start with you. What are some changes you'd like to see come from the new generation of leaders? Well, certainly being actively engaged. And I think we've set the table uh, for that opportunity. You know, back in 69, I could look at you and I could look at the other, your other interviewer and I could say, gee, boy, just work hard enough, you'll be elected. You know, but you don't, you don't see any faces like yours back then on the city council. Now you do. Someone your age is right there, up there on the city council. One other thing we did to set the stage and I'm really proud of was that in 2002, my first year as mayor, the city council passed the ordinance, which included, which get, provided protected class status for, for uh, sexual orientation and gender identity. And uh, those issues had been uh, on, on the ballot in the past and had been voted down by overwhelming margins. So the city council passed that, that ordinance um, by a um, eight to one vote, it immediately went to a vote of the people and the citizens voted by nearly a 60% margin in support of providing that protection. That by the way, was the highest vote in support of providing that protection for sexual orientation and gender identity in the entire country. And that was uh, here in, in, in Tacoma. And people now have served on the city council that are openly gay and have been elected um, and I can remember that whole notion. By the way, I did serve on the city council with people who were gay, but they were closeted and would never have come out because they knew that that was politically, uh, that would end their careers politically. So um, we've made a lot of changes. I think we've set the table um, for, and I can look you in the eye and I can say, you know, if you run for the city council, you have a darn good chance of making it. Back in 69, I could say that, but not really believe it right? Now I can say it and, and believe it because there are people on the city council of your age and your gender right now serving. So um, I'm feeling pretty good about that. We set the table and now it's for the next generation. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm heading, I'm heading into, uh, into my eighth, <laughs> I'm heading to the big 8-0 and as Senator Franklin has uh, is, uh, gone past the great 9-0 uh, and is doing great. And so we're now, you know, we're now looking at you to carry, to carry the torch, your generation. And you have that opportunity. You can, you can make it happen. You and can make Senator, it happen. Go ahead. And Senator Franklin, what are some changes you'd like to see in a new generation of leaders? Well, actually I would like to see in a new generation that, um, there is a huge real sense of community of people helping each other and that we are all here on this planet we all have to work together and that we are all trying to for the same thing to be treated fairly to be that and i'll go back to dr king again not to be looked at and treated by the color of our skin or how much money you have or setting aside and that you in turn help each other, but then in doing so, 
as leaders, you set the example because you then, for you, the generation following you, if you don't set the example of leadership or what, then you have not done your duty. To also to say, I am again standing on the shoulders of my ancestors. I want you to know your history. So you then, I do know in public school, you do not know about me. You learn, you teach, each one teach one, because they don't teach you in history about African-American culture. They don't teach it about other, they just skim the top. They don't teach it about Native American, they skim the top off. And so for us, just specifically, say this is what our history, this is what we are about, and we want everyone in the fold. And you set the example. And as I will pass on, I have a brother, just personally, who's two years older than I, who fought in World War II, who is a purple hearter. He would tell his boys, get up, get up, no time to sleep. When you pass on, you will have all the time to sleep. <laughs> it means that you must be vigilant always because there's someone vigilant around you. I like to also put a little humor <laughs> as we think and tell that with this, that we think because I am 59 and not 95, <laughs> that you've lived a long time, but that's a relatively long, short time. So as you move forward, and for the generation as leaders, you teach them, you set the example and say, we want to leave the world a little better than the way we found it. Environmentally also, don't cut down all the trees. <laughs> awesome, thank you both so much. And as we wrap up this episode, just remember as Carol mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is just the first in a series of podcasts where we're gonna be exploring the May 11th uprising and the lessons that we can learn moving forward. So thank you, Dr. Barzma. Thank you, Senator Franklin, for joining us, for sharing your time and your wisdom with the next generation and the audience at home. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And Dr. Barzma. <laughs> thank you again, Rosa.